Uh, we began a brief sermon series last Sunday about the temptation to unfollow Jesus. The temptation to stop following Jesus. Thank you guys, appreciate your help. If you've ever been tempted to stop believing, if you've ever been tempted to unfollow Jesus, what I told you last week is this, you're not the first. Look back in the Gospels, you'll find out that when Jesus began his ministry, it was just him. But before long, he called 12 men to follow him. We call them the apostles. We sometimes refer to them as disciples, but the more more accurate description would be apostles. So there were 12 of those guys, and it wasn't long before those 12 turned into hundreds and then even to thousands. In fact, especially in Jesus' Galilean ministry, while he spent a good time in the northern part of Israel, during that time in, around Galilee, around the, the Sea of Galilee, uh, in places like Capernaum, uh, the crowds just began to swell, and everywhere he went, the crowds kept getting bigger. In fact, in one situation, uh, there were so many there, when he decided to feed them lunch, there were at least 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So literally, the crowds had grown to thousands of people uh, that were following Jesus. But one day... The large crowd stopped. Many of Jesus' disciples, many of his disciples, not his apostles, but his disciples, this large crowd, they were called his disciples because they were followers of Jesus. And one day, many of his disciples decided to stop following. It's a fascinating story, and John tells us about it in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Would you open God's Word to the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 6? While you're turning there, I'll kind of set the stage for you. In beginning of verse 25 of chapter 6, Jesus is speaking, and he tells them that he is the bread of life. It was a great message, but somewhere later in the message, he, he got very graphic in what he was saying, and, and he said that he, anybody who would not eat his flesh and drink his blood could not be part of him. And the crowd listened to this, and it says in verse 60, on hearing it, Many of his disciples, look at, look at the board here. Many of his disciples, his followers, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? This is a hard teaching. That's not hard to understand. What you're saying is not hard to understand, but what you're saying is hard to accept. You see, many of his disciples had a consumer mentality. Their commitment to follow Christ was limited to what they could get out of it. They wanted to follow Jesus so long as it did not interfere with the life they wanted to live. So they said, this is a hard teaching. And then they said, who can accept it? That is, who can embrace that? Who can go along with that? And so we read in verse, chapter 6, verse 66, again, just kind of summarizing what we talked about last week. Verse 66, from this time, and we see this phrase again, many of his disciples, from this time, many of his disciples, what's that next two words? Turned back and no longer followed him. Had to be one of the saddest moments in the ministry of Jesus. Many of his disciples turned back. They turned back to their old ways They've turned back to their old lives. They turned back to their old beliefs. Many of his disciples 
turn back. And they no longer, the Bible says, follow Jesus. Probably thousands of them walking away. And then Jesus looked at the twelve and he asked them a very penetrating, relevant question. Jesus said, you don't want to go away too, do you? Verse 67, I believe it is. You don't want to go away too, do you? Simon answered him with these words in verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? You had the words of eternal life. Simon Peter answered him in a way that that perhaps some of us would not have thought about, but Simon said, I've been thinking through this, and if we're to walk away from you, like the thousands of people we've seen walk away, to whom shall we go? Peter recognized what sometimes we don't recognize, and that is uh, when you choose not to follow Jesus, you're choosing to put somebody else in his place. And I told you this last week, but let me say it again. Regardless of who that someone else is that you're putting in the place of Jesus, it is a very poor trade. And he, he tells us why in verse 68. To whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Now, that's what we talked about last week. We're going to pick up the story in verse 69 because that's not all that Peter said. Peter didn't just say, uh, to whom shall we go? For you have the words of eternal life. He said something else. Uh, in verse 69. Here's what he said. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This was a defining moment for the apostles. It was a defining moment that showed that they were not just followers of Jesus. They were fully devoted followers of Jesus. See, in verse 66, we see many were followers of Jesus. Verse 66, there were all kinds of his disciples. There were many. There were hundreds, probably thousands of followers of Jesus. But in verse 69, we see those who were fully devoted followers of Jesus. Both groups heard the same teaching. Both groups heard the same message. Both groups struggled with this word that was hard to accept. But the twelve, the twelve stayed The twelve decided, we believe and we know you're the Holy One of God. Now the Greek verbs there in that phrase, we believe and we know, are important. They're in the perfect tense. And it means this, we have come to believe and we still believe. We have come to know and we still know. And that word know is the Greek word gnosko. And it means, look at the, the board here. Or the screen. It means to know by experience. This is not a head knowledge. It's not something I've learned in a book. This is not something that somebody told me. These apostles said, these 12 who were still with Jesus, they said, we believe. We believed it when we first started following you, and we still believe it. And we know. We knew it when we first started following you. Now we know by experience. Now we know because we've watched you. Now we know because we've listened to you. Now we know because we've lived with you. We believed, we still believe, we know, we still know. You are the Holy One of God.
I wonder if Peter could not have said it this way, though, perhaps somewhere along the way, if he was like, like you and like me. Maybe if Peter was honest, he, he would have said something like this. I sometimes have questions that I can't answer, but I do know this. There are some things I don't know, but I do know this. You are the Holy One of God. Or he could have said something like this. I don't always like what I hear, what you teach. I don't always like what you ask me to do. I don't always agree with everything that you say. But there's one thing I do know. You are the Holy One of God. Or perhaps he could have said, you know, sometimes life just doesn't seem fair. I don't understand why good things happen to bad people. Or I don't understand why good people suffer and bad people don't I, I don't understand why I don't understand why good people seem to have it harder than those who are bad people. I don't understand that. I I, I don't understand why I'm trying to live for the Lord and, and we're struggling and but but these people who aren't living for the Lord they're, they're, they don't have those kind of problems. I don't understand that, but there's one thing I do know. I believe and I still believe. I know and I still know. You are the Holy One of God. Or maybe Peter could have said it this way. You know, my world's gotten turned upside down. I don't don't even know which way is up right now. I mean, my world is turned upside down. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But there is one thing I do know. You are the Holy One of God. You see, in the final analysis, please everybody listen to this. Make sure you get this. In the final analysis, Christianity is not a philosophy that you accept. It's not a story that you believe. In the final analysis, Christianity is a personal response to who Jesus Christ is. That'd been a great place to put an amen, by the way. need to teach you where to put the amens, don't I? I mean, it really is. You see, if you think of Christianity as just something you believe... If you think of the Christian faith as just a a set of doctrines or a philosophy that you accept, then you've missed it. The Christian faith is not just that I believe the right things. It's not just that I accept the right things. The Christian faith is my personal response to the person of Jesus Christ. We believe and we know that you are the Son of God. This was one of those defining moments in life when Peter and and the apostles decided, we really believe this stuff. We're really committed to you. It's one of those life-shaping moments that, that showed who they were committed to and whose they were. You might have a moment like that. You might have a moment like that when all of a sudden you're struggling with, should I stay or should I go? You may have one of those moments where you're struggling and wrestling with. Which way am I going to be heading? Which way am I heading? Am I heading towards the direction of Jesus and following Jesus? Or am I heading away from Jesus? It might be a moment when you move away from home and you're tempted to stop following Jesus so you can fit in with the crowd. Or it may be a moment when you're tempted to let go of Jesus in order to hang on to that relationship with him or her because, I mean, they're so good looking and, you know, you just you don't want to give up on that. Or it might be a moment when you're going, to, you're going through such a hard time that, that you're about to stop praying and you're about to stop believing and you're about to stop following because it really doesn't do any good anyway. 
Or it might be a moment when you're struggling to believe all this Bible stuff that your parents taught you. And those times are defining moments. They are defining moments because during the challenges and the doubts and the questions and the frustration, in those challenging moments, they can become defining moments when you say, you know, there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't understand. There's a lot of things I don't agree with. There's a lot of questions I can't answer. But I I can come down to this one thing. I believe and I know you are the Holy One of God. And that is going to be what I hold on to. That is going to be my anchor. You see, some of the hardest moments in your life could be defining moments that clarify that you still believe and that you still know who Jesus is. So where are you headed? Where are you headed? Every person has the potential to walk away. Every person has the potential, just given the right set of circumstances, or maybe we should say the wrong set of circumstances, every person has the potential to decide to unfollow Jesus. That's why it's so critical that in our church that we do everything that we can to help you to become fully devoted followers of Christ. And we've developed this process that that I want to show you that's going to help you perhaps to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Now, can you be a fully devoted follower of Jesus without this process? Absolutely. But we believe that this process will help you be the Christian that you want to be and that you need to be. So let let me just introduce this to you real quickly. Just highlight it for you. Let me introduce you to this guy. This, this is Mount Airy Mark. Mount Airy Mark, you don't know if you can see him very well. Mount Airy Mark is kind of dressed like a hipster. Now, if you don't know what a hipster is, if you're too mature to know what a hipster is, uh, then, then you just think in terms of James Dean, all right? Maybe you can relate to that. Mount Airy Mark comes to Mount Airy, and he's checking everything out, and And he's taking his first step in that discipleship process. You see, at Mount Airy, we believe that your Christian faith is not just a past tense experience, it's a present tense journey. You get that? It's not just something that happened to you when you're 10. It's a present tense journey. That's why we believe this process is so important for you. And so Mark comes to, to... the church, and we, the first step, we call it the encounter step. Encounter God through worship. And he comes to the large group setting, to, to this service, or the 945 service, or the LC service. And he begins to discover the truth of God's Word. And he begins to worship with God's people. And before long, Mark makes the decision, you know what, I need to investigate this a little further. And so Mark goes to discover Mount Airy. By the way, we've got our next Discover Mount Airy next Sunday afternoon. I'll be teaching that. I'd love for you to go sign up today at the end of the service at the tent out front. Mark does that. He goes to Discover Mount Airy. He learns about the church. He decides, that's the next step I need to take. I need to understand this church a little bit better and explore the possibilities of of locking in here. So Mark does that. Uh, Forty to fifty percent of the time when people like Mark come to Discover Mount Airy, somebody in that group prays to receive Christ. And so for those who pray to receive Christ, we're going to ask them to go to starting point to help them get started in their new walk with God, to help them get started in their new faith. 
But everybody else, whether they go through starting point or not, we want them to end up here. That is connecting with others through BSF. You see, you need to go from the large group to the small group. The large group is where you're at right now. And it's hard to get to know everybody in the large group. But if you're in a small group, then you can get connected. And your brothers and sisters in the faith can help you in your walk with Christ. And so that's why it's so important for you to be, to be in a BSF class, that small group setting. In a large group, we, we may or may not know that you're here. We may or may not know what you're going through and the struggles you're having. But in that small group, we're going to know about it. Your class will know. Your teachers will know. And I say this all the time in Discover Mount Airy. The large church becomes a small church in BSF. And so Mark does that. He gets connected through BSF. And then Mark, we say, Mark, there's another thing we want to help you to do, and that is discover a place to serve. Now, we've got two ladies that are going to help us with this whole process. Two ladies that are going to walk Mark and people like Mark through that whole process and kind of coach them all the way through. We've got two ladies now that are going to be heading that up. And, and Mark finds a place to serve. He finds, finds a place to use the gifts and the abilities, the talents that God has given him, the passions that he has to do something for God's kingdom. And his faith is growing. He's starting to understand a little bit better about Jesus and what it means to live for Jesus. Mark finds a place to serve. And then we say, Mark, you know, what we'd really like to do next is, is help you understand your faith and how to share it with others. We want to personally train you how to share your faith with one-on-one with a friend or a neighbor. And, Mark, we want you to get your passport because we want to take you somewhere around the world or to Cleveland and help you have the opportunity to take your faith to somebody else and to share the gospel someplace else. And Mark does that as well. You say, now, Pastor, i got a question for you. I like all of this. Does that mean when he gets to the end there that he's done? No. Because, listen to this, you never graduate in following Christ. There's not a graduation day. And so Mark's going to continue to stay connected through BSF. He's going to continue to serve the Lord with his gifts. He's going to continue to reach out to others for Christ. And hopefully Mark's going to help others take these same steps and walk, walk with them through that whole journey. Leading people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus because it is so easy to decide one day to unfollow Jesus. Circumstances, situations, difficulties in your life sometimes can cause you to be tempted to say, I think I'm going to back off. I think I'm going to back away. I think I'm going to try something else for a while. Let me ask you a question. Maybe this will help you to decide which way you're going to go. Everybody, are you listening? It's a great question. Are you listening? Are you tuned in? Here's the question. Do you know what happened? Do you know what happened? Let me flip my board back over. Do you know what happened to the crowd? Do you know what happened to the crowd who walked away from Jesus? Me neither. Me neither. But the twelve who became fully devoted followers of Jesus, the Bible says they turned the world upside down. That's the way I want to live. How about you? That's the things I want to do. Where are you headed? Where are you headed? Don't walk away from Jesus. Here's the question I want you to remember. Here's the question. To whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? Just ask yourself, wrestle with that and answer it honestly. To whom shall I go? If I'm to walk away from Him, 
to whom shall I go? This is the question that will allow you to avoid a season of life that you wish you could relive. This is the question that will help you make a wise decision. This is the question that might just convince you not to walk away from Jesus. To whom shall I go? For you have the words of eternal life. C.S. Lewis summarized all this so well. In a book called Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, you know, you've really only got three options when it comes to Jesus. He said, first of all, don't call him just a good teacher or a moral man. He says that he was anything but a good teacher or a moral man. He, was, he said, you can't stop there and just call him that. He said, because of the things that he said and the things that he did, you can't just call him a moral man or a good teacher. And C.S. Lewis made this statement. He said, Jesus was either a liar or a lunatic or he was Lord. And then he explained it. He said, you know, he could have been a liar. He could have just been telling everybody that he was the Son of God. And he could have been just one of those guys that wanted attention, trying to, trying to draw a crowd. And he could have been a liar, just a bold-faced liar. He really wasn't anything different or special. He just lied his way through it all. But the question I have about that is, I don't think he would have died on a cross, a painful death, if he'd been a liar. I don't think a liar. I think a liar, by the time he got to the cross, would have said, just kidding. Didn't mean it. <laughs> no, he wasn't a liar. The other option is, he could have been a lunatic. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy people who claim they are this and that, and Jesus could have been one of those people. He, he could have been one of those people who thought, genuinely thought he was the Son of God and told people he was the Son of God, and we lock people up today when they do that now. And he could have been one of those. He could have been a lunatic who was just convinced that he was the Son of God when really he was just a regular person. The problem with that is, is how did he perform miracles? If he was just a lunatic who thought he was the Son of God, how was the man who had demons freed from his demons? How was the lady who had a blood disease for 13 years healed? How did he raise Lazarus from the dead? If he was a, lu a lunatic, could not have done that. So if he's not a liar, and he's not a lunatic, the other option is he's Lord. He really is who he claimed to be. He really is the Holy One of God. Peter said it early on. When Peter looked at those hundreds or thousands walking away from Jesus, he said, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believed when you called us, we still believe. And we knew when you called us, and we still know, you are the Holy One of God. I hope you can say that today. And I know that you might be going through some things right now that make you wonder, and it may be tempting for you to push the unfollow button and just kind of walk away. At least for this season of life. At least until you get it all figured out. And at least until whenever. And you're just going to kind of stop following. You're going to back away. You're going to... But to whom 
will you go? I mean, who's going to offer you what Jesus offers? I, be, I believe that for lots of you, if you are struggling right here and you're tempted to walk away, here, here's what I believe. If you truly are a Christian, I believe deep down, you know, don't you? Hidden under all the questions and under all the anger and under all the, the, the frustration and under, under all the doubts and all of those things that are bubbling in your life right now, under all of that, hidden under all of that is that certainty. I still believe and I still know you are the Son of God. Lots of things I don't know, lots of things I can't understand or explain, but I know this. I still believe and I still know you are the Holy One of God. I want you to bow your heads with me. Let me talk to you for a second. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. This could be one of those defining moments for you where you decide, where am I heading? Where am I heading? You see, don't fool yourself into thinking that you can just kind of step away and everything will be okay. Don't fool yourself into thinking that it's not that big of a deal and it really doesn't matter. And you're either following Jesus or you're walking away. But to whom shall you go? When you're faced with that temptation, ask yourself honestly that question. Who can offer you what Jesus does. Maybe in this invitation, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You don't know the Lord Jesus. But to, today, uh, we would love for you to make that your time where you come and say, Pastor, I want to know Christ. I want to know Him personally. Not just a set of beliefs that I believe. Not just a set of doctrines that I accept. Not just a philosophy or an approach to life. I want to know Jesus personally. And I would love to introduce you to Him today. Would you come during this invitation and let me do that? Others, perhaps your heart is heavy and this altar would be a good place for you to meet Jesus again. And you just tell him, I still believe and I still know you're the Holy One of God. I'm hurt, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, but I still believe and I still know and I just wanted to tell you that. This altar is here for you to do that today. Father, I thank you so much for the Lord Jesus who was more than just a mere man. He was not a liar. He was not a lunatic. He is Lord. And may he be Lord in our lives. I pray in Christ's name.